I'm going to say a lot of things because they're personal to me and they're relevant to me. And I'm going to say that worship is, it's a real mystery. It's complicated and it's simple. It's both. And many times I still feel like I miss it. And in my entire Christian life, when I look back, I'm like, man, I had no idea what I was doing. But what I want you to know is that if you're authentic and your heart is pure, even if you don't fully understand why you're doing what you're doing, God still takes you as you are because you're worshiping in spirit and in truth. You may not know the whole truth yet, but you're authentic. And that was me. Even though it was entertainment for me in a lot of ways, even though it was performance for me, it's all that I knew. I played in clubs and bands. So I, it was weird to use my gift and talent now to worship God and not as a show and performance to please the people. And we're shifting that in our own worship team. I'm tired of it being a show. It's not a movie. This is family. It's the kingdom of God. It's the presence of God. It's God himself that we're here to worship. Not ourselves or our own ideologies of what we think it should be. So people can be ignorant of the very thing that they worship. When you're ignorant of what you're worshiping, you create altars to the unknown God. We talked about that last week. Less knowledge equals haphazard altars to an unknown God. The less we know, the more haphazard we are. The more you know, the more intentional you are with your worship. This is why we have to grow in the knowledge of the Lord. We're not going through our Christian duty today. We're not doing our Sunday morning religious protocols in hopes that God will chalk it up and bless our lives. We're here for a much deeper reason and a much deeper purpose. Yes, we're all in process. Yes, we all have struggles. Yes, we all have hardships. Yes, we come desperate. Yes, God meets our needs. But we come for him, not for us or for anyone else. Worship is not a guessing game, but rather confident knowledge based on personal experience of overcoming and based on his word. So for me, the reason why I worship so passionately is because of the personal experiences that I've had. I've overcome death. We lost a child. I've been through multiple hurricanes. I've been in prison. I've been divorced. I've been through so much difficulty and adversity, but every single time God saw me through. And now all those experiences become my worship manual to sing a new song to the Lord. You can't sing a new song without new experiences and new encounters. The entire book of Psalms was based on encounters from David in real time. So they were spontaneous from the heart based on the situation. But see, we like our catchy lyrics and our catchy verses and choruses and the songs that make us feel good, the ones I know, the lyrics I can read and the songs I can sing because it makes us feel good. And then what's really happened is I'm now singing somebody else's experience that I maybe have never experienced. Some of you have never been surrounded by enemies at your doorstep plotting to kill you, 40 and 50 of them, that when you walk out, you're dead and you had to be snuck out of a room by your wife. That's David. None of us literally went through the Red Sea. But Moses, when he came out on the other side, sang a new song based on the experience that he had just had. And we're going to talk a lot about new songs. See, part of the reason why we're doing this, we're doing the teaching first is to set you up to practice what you learn. 
Because the challenge is we like comfortable, familiar, and what we know. And let me tell you, God is uncomfortable, unfamiliar, and a lot of what we don't know. Today we're talking about worshiping a known God. We have to have knowledge and understanding. Now you can be born again one minute and be genuine and desperate to the Lord and cry out. In fact, you could not even be born again yet and you realize you desperately need God and cry out for help and all you know to pray is help and God comes to the rescue. But you can't stay there. You can't just stay years and years and years the same and your only cry the entire time is help while we cry in desperation hoping God will show up to the rescue. Is he a God that rescues us every time? Yes. One of God, the best thing that the Lord does is he fixes broken. But true spirit and truth worship over time is coming into agreement with God and now you're declaring and worshiping together in reciprocity with him. He's not a narcissist. And the only time that God says he's jealous is in the context of idol worship. He's a jealous God. Why? Because he knows what's best and he loves you and he's infatuated with you and he cares about you. And he realizes if you give yourself to an idol or the things of this world or worship anything else but him, you're going to be led astray and be killed. And he loves you and he wants all of you and nothing else. The less knowledge we have, the more haphazard we are. But the more confident knowledge that we have based on what God's done for you. This is why you can't give up. Don't stop showing up. You know how many people come to this church? We have a massive recovery community. And I know that there's people here that come and go all the time. There's people that are here for a while, all in, flamed on. And I especially see them up here in worship. And then they're off on a binge. Meth, alcohol, drugs, and they go MIA for two months, three months, sometimes years. And then they come back. And I tell them, I said, I told you, never, I don't care if you come high. I have learned after so many years of pursuing the Lord, never back down and never retreat. God is good. I just don't understand the fullness of his goodness. Because if you understand how good God really was, you would never worship the same. You would never sit back. You would never run away. See, the lie of the enemy is to get you to retreat in fear, shame, and control. Take control of your life. Hide out. Be isolated. These people are too jacked up. They can't help you. That's a lie. We need each other even in our brokenness. Ultimately, our unknown altars can become idolatry. These altars can take on many different shapes and forms. Some that we know and embrace, while most is subtle idolatry that we're ignorant of. Your kids can be idolatry. My coffee shops, coffee waves can be idolatry if I put anything before the Lord. Isaac could have been an idolatry to Abraham, hence to the altar it goes. There's so many subtle things that we put that we don't even realize. Some's overt and we know, but I would suggest most of us don't have totem poles and little Buddhas in our house. Some might, but most of us aren't bowing down to a created thing. 
but it's the inanimate objects that we give our value and our life and our worth to, chasing other lovers, chasing relationships, chasing money, chasing entertainment, chasing the things of this world is all a form of idolatry. So they take on many different shapes and forms. A simple definition of an idol is something we put value and worth in that has no value. It's worth less. It's the contrary to worth ship. It's the opposite. And anything that we give value and worth to outside of him first is worth less. Something that we give priority to over versus the one who's over the priority. The source is greater than the resource. The purpose is greater than the process. But don't we worship our processes? Because it's all about us. I'm hurting. I'm in pain. My situation. And then we coddle each other in the process. And I understand. We're all in process. But you can't just stay in the same place. If I was looking at porn and getting high and I'd say, oh, guys, hey, it's just part of the process. I'm just in process. 30-something years later? And my wife would say, I'm not a part of that process. Idols, have, idols are things we put our value and give our worth to. It's something we give priority to. It's something we look to. Think about this. We look to idols for comfort, guidance, protection, and sustenance, and yet none, nothing, nothing can bring those things to our lives but God himself. What are we chasing after to find comfort? Is it the arms of another? It's comforting. My wife is comforting, but not as much as the Lord is. Who do I have on earth but him? Who do we have in heaven but him? I love her. I want to hug and kiss her all day, all the time. Maybe not all the time. Sometimes I'm mad. <laughs> and I get no hugs and kisses when she's mad, I can assure you. <laughs> but, but what you need to understand is I have another embrace full time, all the time. And though I may battle discouragement here, I always get encouragement there. Because my first giving of worth is more than my kids because it'll never be enough with my kids and they'll leave me. The greatest relationship is between a husband and a wife, but even she at best is imperfect and can only be 80% to 70% of what I need or want. But God is 100%. Let's say that God is 100%. That's right. So we look to all these things for comfort, guidance, protection, and sustenance. This is why God is a jealous God. And the number one and only area that he is jealous is concerning the worship of idols, by the way. It's not, it's not your stuff. He's not like, man, you got something better. There's, God owns everything. It's you and your heart and giving it away to something else that lures you away from his heart. Do you, you need to see this. Anything that draws your attention away from him full time becomes an idol. Here's just some, some things. Worshiping based on style and preference is idolatry. Think about it. 
I didn't like that song today. I didn't worship idolatry. I didn't like that lyric. It was too rocky. I don't like bands. I like acapella. Why is he beating on the drums like that? Too much drums, too loud, too long, too repetitive. Idolatry, folks. Why? Think about it in the simple form of it. I don't like that, so I don't give my value and worth to it. I've shared so many stories of the Casio, the stinking Casio keyboards. We have one now, thanks to the Simons family, which I love. I'm telling you, that's, that keyboard is like legacy to me. But we predetermine what we like. It's, you're predetermined whether you like me now or not. The preaching, the worship, is it good? Is it not good? Did I like preaching first? And what I really wanted to worship, this is so awkward. This is so weird. And then we make these decisions. We're not here because of that. We're here because of him. We're here to worship the living God, not our styles and preferences. You need to repent. We need to repent. I've had to repent many times with Mark and Nathan's worship. I'm not kidding. I know that's funny, but I'm like, what in the world are y'all doing? You guys. Are... Listen, worshiping to feel good is idolatry. I didn't feel anything today. So? So in all your whole life, every time you spend time with the Lord, you have to feel something and have dynamite, explosive experiences. You're in for a rude awakening. But that one time, after months of consistency, melts your face off and rocks your world and causes you to flame on and know God in a way that you've never known, and you'll even sing a new song and write new songs from your heart. Worshiping for selfish outcomes is idolatry. We go to church. This was my story. When I was in high school, I was selling drugs, smoking weed. I got right into partying early on by my eighth grade year. And then I would go to my friends, Methodist, Baptist, Lutheran, and Catholic churches. And I noticed if I went to their churches, my, I felt better and my life seemed to do better. This is what people will tell me all the time. I just know when I come to church, my life's gonna do better. And yes, there's some truth to that. But the challenge is, is you've got to move past that where it's not about your selfish out outcomes. So we're not showing up today in hopes that we will be blessed and better. We're showing up because of the living God who transforms our lives and desires us in intimacy. And the result is our life goes better because we change. But there's people that come here week in and week out and never change. There's people in this congregation right now that I preach my guts out about being filled with the spirit, about walking in the supernatural. And years and years later, they're not doing it. But that's okay because I love you. I learned a long time ago, most people will not do what I think they should do. And I still want you to keep coming because you may get it in a year from now, five years from now. You may get it today. Just keep showing up. I'm okay with it. Worshiping irrever irreverently is idolatry. This kind of worship can kill you. It's Aaron's sons who came lit up, probably intoxicated, and tried to create strange fire at the altar, and God wiped them out at the altar. It's irreverent worship. 
We can't worship irreverently. That's why spirit and truth is the answer to irreverent worship. Be authentic. I don't care what you're going through. Be broken. The brokenness of your life is the sacrifice of God. He wants you as you are. So we don't come here and go through the motions and pretend. We worship songs we like and tune out the ones we don't. These can be songs with catchy lyrics and songs that someone else's own personal experience that have no relevancy or relatability to your own life because you've never had that experience. So we, we grab onto these songs that we have no relatability to because you've never been through it. Right? We should be challenged to learn and discover that truth. You can still grab onto other people's experiences and songs, like the book of Psalms is a great example, or the songs of the patriarchs, great example. I can sing their song, but at some point I have to own their message, which is his message. So I have to study out. Let me give you an example. We sing this song here, God of Miracles. And in the lyrics it says, I've seen metal plates disappear and cancer healed. Yet most, most of us have never seen a metal plate disappear or cancer, cancer healed. Yet we sing the song with all of our heart, yet we've never had the experience. Do you understand? I'm not saying we should never sing the song, but maybe the writer of that song had that experience. So now I'm grabbing onto that person's experience while I stay the same, just living vicariously off his. That's why we sing new songs relevant to the now and the atmosphere and by the spirit. So I'm not just singing on somebody else's encounter. And I also have to wonder how many songs are written for the sake of money, fame, and popularity that we love because they sound so good, but was never really written by their experience, but rather a songwriter's catchy tune while he sat down to write something out that would fit and sell. So I, I want to make it clear, it does not mean you can't sing other people's songs. But if you're going to sing other people's songs, own, learn to own the message and discover what you're singing. Remember, I said to God, Lord, I'm in so much fear. I'm in a miserable place. He said, do you really believe that I'm who you sing about? And I had to say, no, I probably don't because I sing all these lyrics, all these songs from somebody else's experience that I've never been through that I actually probably don't really believe because I'm in fear, worry, doubt, and depression. Because if you really knew who God was and who you were and that you're in Christ, you would actually never be depressed. You would never have a bad day. Just go listen to anything from Graham Cook. Anything. And just get your world rocked. The guy lives in the understanding of in Christ. That's the gospels. You're in Christ. You don't earn it. You don't deserve it. You don't work for it. And your works bring no justification to your life, they're only a result of who you're in because you're so in love, I've got to tell you about it. I get no value because somebody got saved. I get no marked up chalks. God can reward me or not. I'm not even doing it for the reward, reward though there is a reward. I'm doing it because I'm so in love, I can't not tell you about it. Some of y'all think, man, if you just won the lottery and got your millions and millions, hundreds of millions, you're not gonna be able to tell anybody you're gonna hide out and nobody's gonna know your name. It doesn't work like that. Before you know it, your big house, all your stuff, fame, popularity, no, somebody's gonna find your name and they're gonna be hunting you down to get some of that money. 
We worship our preset times, our programs, and our liturgy. I can't tell you how awkwardly difficult this was for me today. Now, I'm finally getting in my zone now, but I was nervous. I'm like, man, I'm messing it all up. I'm changing things up, preaching first and then worship. I'm like, never done this before, but I'm tired of things being the same because I get comfortable, and then I get dumbed down, and then I get lukewarm, and it's the same old, same old, week after week, same old thing, week after week, and people stay the same, and little changes, and we go through our emotions week after week after week, and God blows stuff like that up. Every time I find a spot, whether it's under the bridge here, under the bridge on the island, over off Laguna Shores, wherever it is, I'll have encounters with the Lord, it's time to move but I like this spot. This is my spot. And I'll go back to that spot and the Lord, I can tell the Lord's like, you're thinking you just wasted your whole time coming over here. Really, and it's so frustrating. I parked, I got over the bridge. I was determined I needed my view of the intercoastal. It inspires me to be spiritual. And God's like, get up and drive where I tell you to go. God's into spots. But if this church stays the same, we're going to die. There's a reason why the cloud moved in the wilderness. And I guarantee you, millions of people who set up camp and got set up, and there's the presence, many of the places, they probably said, let's just stay here. And I bet you the minute they got everything set up and comfortable, God, it's time to go. But see, we don't like change because it's unfamiliar. We like what's familiar. We worship what's familiar. Even our own worship experience can become idolatry. We worship coming in the broken and I'm in need and I just need it so bad. Yeah, we do. We need his presence. But we're worshiping more the experience and the songs and the feelings and the singing and the emotions. Our emotions can even become idolatry. When you're moved emotionally. Now I'm an emotional guy. Just ask my wife. I cry at everything. I love crying in church. I've wept here at the pulpit more times than I can tell you. You've seen it. But you can't let your life be dictated and ruled by your emotions. Yes, worship God's presence is emotion. You're gonna fall on your face. But sometimes you're gonna get up and dance. But then we say, no, I'll never do that. I only wanna be on my face. And then you dictate based on a commandment of men, your own commandment of what you're going to do and not do. And that's idolatry. This is why knowing God for who he truly is and what he defines as proper worship is key. I cannot emphasize this to you enough. Worship is only possible with the knowledge of the one being worshiped. Your worship is limited to the knowledge of that person. You know why I'm so sick and flamed on? And I was flamed on early. You know why? Because I was forgiven of a lot of bad stuff. He who's been forgiven of much. And then I, I remember early on, I'll tell you when it really shifted for me. It really shifted when I went into church and it was, there was a wild moment and I was like, this was pre-me dancing in church. I was like, I'm not going to dance and I had this vision. I've shared it with you before. You all know this vision. I'm in Cancun, Mexico. I'm at Carlos and Charlie's. I'm on a table, and I've had my ninth shot of tequila. The reggae band's flowing, and I see a zip line to my left going over to the docks over the water. 
I got my wallet, my not waterproof watch, my belt, fully dressed. I'm the host of the team. I was literally leading a Christian cruise to Cancun from Miami. I was the leader. After nine shots of tequila, they were laughing at their leader. I jumped on that zip line thinking, oh, I got this halfway through. I didn't make it in the water. I went drunk as a skunk. Everything wet. And I didn't drown, as you can see. But my point I'm trying to make is I, you come to church and you predetermine what you're going to do and not do, but yet you'll go to Brewster Street, down a few brewskis, hopefully no Bud Lights. You'll be sitting there just partying it up. And then next thing you know, you're like wild child, but you come to church. You come to church and it's like, Miss Reverend Dignify. Change your last name to Dignity. <laughs> you see, you have knowledge because you have history. Everybody say, I have history. Now, if you don't have history, say, I'm going to get some. And no matter what, you're going to get some. Because if you don't give up and stay in the process, God loves you enough to keep giving you history. I have history with God. So now when we go through hardship, we have history. Same for my wife. My wife went through major adversity and hardship and came to the place of totally trusting God for the home that we live in now, which we celebrate because it was all God, right? And she's, I had no faith for it. And she said, if God wants us to have it, he will. I've seen the goodness of the Lord. And guess what? We saw it. But you learn because you have history and experience with God. The more you overcome, the more that you encounter him through your difficulties and your trials and he sees you through, the more history you have, which gives you the, the stamina and the strength and the knowledge and understanding to properly worship God. Because you're giving worth to the one that has all the value. He's preeminent. He's above all. He's the creator. So now I'm not worshiping created things anymore. I'm worshiping the creator. Just go to the gym. Go to athletic club any day of the week, and you're seeing people worship the creation. Standing in front of the mirror. And then we post our selfies. I'm like, what are you doing? Please, for the love, stop. You're so vain. Play. You're so vain. You probably think this message is about you. You're so vain. This message is about you. That's exactly right. It's experiential, shared life, firsthand experiences that shifts you to truly know God for who he really is, which always causes you to sing songs. And look at Ephesians 5.19. I want to tell you there's something that I do a lot, and it's I'm constantly making melody to the Lord in my heart. I'm singing new songs. I'm making declarations through my song. I love to sing. I sing all the time. It drives my kids nuts. Sometimes I tell my kids, I'm not talking to you. I'm only going to sing to you. And you can't talk back to me. You can only sing back to me. Do that with your kids sometimes. Hey, Zion, how's it going? And I make him, if he talks, don't, don't talk to me. But you can only sing to me. It's so, it's so awesome. They're kids. We're the ones that are so sad. These are children. You can't sing a song. 
And I'm telling you, every time we sing, oh man, the joy of the Lord hits us, except they do get mad at me because I push it real far, like five minutes later, like, okay, enough, just talk to me. (laughs) You make melody in your heart to the Lord. We're gonna talk more about this scripture later. Can you imagine if we only spoke to each other through hymns, psalms, and spiritual songs? That'd be weird, right? But that's how they used to do it. In fact, they'd gather in a square. That's the way that the early synagogues were and the temple was is you would face each other and you'd all sing back and forth. But the key here now today is that you have already been making melody in your heart to the Lord before you came here. So now you're always ready to sing spiritual songs. You're always ready to sing hymns and psalms. You already got a whole song book. It's called the book of Psalms. You got a whole song book. You're like, I don't know what to sing. Open up to the Psalms. They're all songs. You can't worship what you don't know. Thus, we worship things we do know. When you don't properly know who God is, you'll worship anything and everything that makes you feel safe and brings you comfort. And trust me, there's a lot of things in our life that we're subtly worshiping. Think about, again, what worship is. It's giving worth to. So I'm giving value to DirecTV. We cut it. I was giving value to a fire stick. It's gone. Doesn't mean I'm anti-movies. But what it means is if it's all consuming, when it started to become consumed with our kids, one week, no entertainment. Because the minute they start getting hooked and that's all, they don't even know how to function. It's like play. I don't know what to do. I need my iPad. I need my phone. Idolatry. Oh, I got awfully quiet in here. <laughs> when you don't know who God is, you'll worship anything and everything that makes you feel safe and comfortable. It's these things we pursue and put first before God. God calls it idolatry, specifically worthless idolatry, meaning it has no worth or value. To give something worth means that that thing is sufficiently good in and of itself. It's high in value and merit. It's important. The value is equivalent to what's being considered and deserving of. So if I say, God, you are so merciful, why do I say that? Because he's been so merciful to me. I know the mercy of God. So now I'm attributing the characteristic and attribute to the one that I know deserves it. Lord, you're so forgiving. How do I know that? Because man, have I bombed it a thousand times. And so have you, and he's forgiven you every single time. So you're giving You're giving worth and value to the one that rightfully deserves the worth and the value. He rightfully deserves it. And then the second word is ship. Everybody say ship. It's not a ship on the sea. This word is a forming noun that denotes quality, condition, status, office, honor, skill. Like, let me give you some examples. Friendship. Sportsmanship. Craftsmanship, apprenticeship, championship, lordship, headship. The word ship denotes the value of what is really deserving. It's a forming noun of the person, place, or thing. That's why worship is worth giving worth to the one that has earned it and deserved it and proven it, whereas the idol is worth less. 
Worship is placing the highest value on someone or something that is deserving of the worth. And in turn, it's giving what God deserves. Our lives, our honor, our song, our dance, our hands, our hearts, our expressions of love, our appreciation, our adoration. Adoration is deep love and respect. So when you hold back, when you say, I'm not gonna do something, I'm not gonna make you, this isn't a commandment of man thing anymore. This is you being spirit-led. I would be in error if I said every one of you has to dance. Now, there's times I'll say, let's all raise our hands, and many people don't. I'm not gonna make you do that anymore. What I'm trying to get you to understand is everything of who I am belongs to the creator. I'm not gonna worship the created being. So when I say I will or I won't, I'm making the decision of choosing to, of what I'm gonna do or not do. You guys getting this? This is why idols are worthless. They have no value aside from what man ascribes to them by his own devices. And demons attach to idols. Idolatry puts value and worth into things that rob our heart, passion, and love for God alone. So if there's anything that's an idol in your life, get rid of it. Rachel had idols, her dad's idols. And when she left her dad's house with her husband... What happened? She took the idols. Why? Because they had value and they had safety and they had comfort and she hid them. Jonah chapter two, verse eight and nine. Those who regard worthless idols forsake their own mercy. But I will sacrifice. Now notice the contrast. If you are regarding or giving, regard means to give your value and attention and time to worthless idols, you forsake your own mercy because idols have no mercy. They just kill you. But look at verse nine. Now Jonah, Jonah sang this and wrote this in the belly of the whale. He's living the real-time experience. But I will sacrifice to you with the voice of thanksgiving. I will sacrifice to you with the voice of thanksgiving. Oh, man. While he's in the whale, and I will pay what I have vowed, salvation of the Lord is of the Lord. Salvation only comes from him. Idols and anything of this world can't save you. We can be so limited in the knowledge of God and what proper worship looks like we, that we easily become irreverent and haphazard. That's what most charismatic churches are known for in a sense if somebody was going to rip them up. It's like all about the... the uh, encounter. It's all about the manifestations. No, it shouldn't be that way here. We want his presence and whatever is the result of his presence coming, we will do. That's the answer. If he says, get up and dance, I'm getting up and dance. I can't tell you how many times my back hurt, my foot hurt, I broke my toe, I can't hardly walk, I got a headache. So I come in, I sit down and the Lord's like, you're going to get up and worship? No, I got a headache. And so Lord, you get up and worship. And I've danced with hurt backs, hurt feet, headaches. But then the pendulum can swing the other way where it's over-reverent. So you can go to lots of denominational churches where it's all singing or bowing, call and response, chanting. It's at the other extreme of reverence. And that's why you have to understand piety. Everybody say Piety. Piety is reverence for God or devout fulfillment of religious obligations. We should all be pious. But there's false religious piety. 
False religious piety is a focus on our own agendas instead of his. It's also hypocritical, a hypocritical display of virtue. It's showing you that I'm something that I'm not, but I'm pretending and I'm faking that so that I can look like something and ultimately lord over you. This piety is designed to look good and even go through all the right motions of worship. And all the while, my heart is far from him. Have you, how many of you know what the word sanctimonious means? Just a few of us. Sanctimonious means making a hypocritical show of religious devotion, piety, and righteousness. Think about the word hypocritical. Hypocritical. In the Hebrew, it means to be soiled with sin, godless, and impious. It's to be polluted, corrupted, and profane. But in the Greek, it means an actor under an assumed name, a stage player, someone who conceals their true motives, feelings, or beliefs. They pretend, worships the simulation. We're going through the flight simulator instead of real-time encounters with heaven and bringing heaven to earth and encountering the living God through our hearts with him in the now. It's to impersonate. This is why we do not fake it until we make it. But you can't sit there and be hypocritical and judgmental over everybody else who's learning and discovering and trying. The word critical means to critique. We're critiquing everything. We're masters at critiquing, especially if you're a high thinker and judger. Critique all kinds of things. To critique means to judge. It means we're literally contending. It means to dispute, be opinionated, make a determination. And it means actually to rule or govern over. So when I'm critiquing you, I'm putting myself over you because I'm now putting myself in the judgment seat. And this is hypocritical. It's ultimately an attempt to control other people. A great example of, of hypocritical control is the Pharisee and the tax collector. I talk about this all the time. They both go into the, into the temple to worship. One says, I've done everything right. Look at me, God, I'm so good. The, the tax collector's downcast, crying out for mercy, but yet the one was hypocritical and the one was authentic and God took the authentic one. Spirit and truth worship is the contrast to hypocrisy. Job 13, 15 through 16. Though he slay me, I'm gonna trust him. No matter what I go through, I'm gonna trust God because he's always seen me through. No matter what I'm facing, I'm gonna trust God. Even so, I will defend my own ways before him. Now, how can you defend your way before God? Because then you're like, man, I can't defend anything. I have done terrible things. That's your defense, mercy. Lord, here's my defense. Let me confess it all to you right now. I'm like, God, my defense is, you're right. What I have done is wrong. I'm sorry. Acquitted. That's the goodness of God. It's the mercy of God. For a hip, look at verse 16. He also will be my salvation for a hypocrite could not come before him. Often what we think is worship isn't true worship. That's why in John 4, 23, Jesus said the true worshipers, the true worshipers will worship God in spirit and in truth. True worship is not a commandment of men or defined by man, but rather a commandment of God. True worship's commanded of God, not of men. Mark 7, 6 through 7, he answered and said to them, 
This is Jesus talking. Well did Isaiah prophesy, you hypocrites, as it is written. This people honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. And in vain they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. That's why God teaches you what worship is. God defines what worship is. Now, I can show you by example, and my children have to learn by example, but I don't command my kids. What I say to them is, listen, it's worship time now. If you want to be silly and play, this isn't that time. I really think that you should worship. But what I don't say to my kids is, get your hands up now. Get over there and dance. Get over there and do that. Stop. And some people have come from religious churches like that where you're forcing your kids to do something. Instead, I'm leading by example, and I'm training them in the way they should go by how they see their dad. Because I'll outdance, I tell my kids, I'll outdance you all day long. Oh, sit there, you're so cool, watch your dad. Are y'all so cool? Are we so cool, stiff, mature adults? We came from our traditional backgrounds. We say, I never will. I'll never do that. I'm too cool. What's it going to look like? Why don't you be a fool for Christ? Be a fool instead of too cool. Write that down. I'm, I'm serious. I know this culture of Corpus Christi. You all know your bands. You go into spasmatics and dance to the 80s, which I like 80s music. You're putting down some bruise and dancing, drinking, party. Woo! come to church they're mad mad why they got those flags like that why is he singing that so why is that big burly mexican guy just singing those songs what is happening and why are they dancing like that why is he shouting like that why is he doing this like that we worship not because anyone told us we had to but rather we worship because we know the one in whom we're worshiping Here's what you should know, who he is and what he's done for you. Let's have the worship team come up. How he's always been there and never forsaken you. How he rescued, delivered, healed, and forgave you. How he loved and adopted you. Breaking the spirit of fear and the bondage that came with it. How he gave his life on the cross and shed his blood. Pay attention to me. Why are we worshiping? Because we should know the goodness of God and the cross and the forgiveness and the blood. I'll shout you down, dance you down, scream you down, worship you down. I double dog dare you to do something you've never done before. And don't do it because I told you. Be spirit led, but don't restrict God by saying I'll never do that. I don't care what you do. Just worship. I'm not going one eye on God, one eye on you and criticizing and questioning you. But I can tell you, your worship is a reflection of your life. Or a better way to say it, it's a reflection of your knowledge of who God is. Because I may have blown it up. My life may be a train wreck, but guess what? I don't worship because I got it all together. I worship because I'm in need. I'm desperate. I'm desperate for the king. I'm broken. We worship because he created all things, and without him, nothing was created. Now, I was going to talk, we're going to worship now because I, I want to take time for that, but we're gonna, we need to really talk about what it means to worship God as the creator because the value of something comes by the one who created it. So we give all the worth to him because he's the creator and sustainer of all things. He's preeminent. Everybody say he's preeminent. 
Revelation 5, Revelation 4 and 5, the 24 elders, the living creatures are saying, worthy is the one, worthy is he. And they're all singing spontaneous prophetic songs there. Remember the Lord's Prayer on earth as it is. So if something's going on there, that's where we're going to go in this series is we're going to connect with what's already taking place. But I have to prep you because some of us have no idea. If I said sing a new song, you're like, one, I can't sing. Number two, I'm never singing publicly. Maybe in the shower when no one's around. Maybe in my car. But see, there's this element and dynamic of all of us singing a new song and making melody to the Lord in our hearts because of what we're seeing and experiencing. When you have encounters with God, you can't help but sing a new song. When you overcome death, hell, and the grave, you can't help but sing a new song. Worship is spirit and in truth. And any idols in your life, repent. Your kids, your family. I love my kids. I love them to no end. I don't ever feel like I have enough time with them. And time's flying by. And every day I'm like, I feel like they're growing up too fast. And before I know it, they're going to be gone. And I'm missing the minutes in some days. And some days I'm over trying to gain the minutes back. And, but if I'm not careful, I'll be putting my, val- my love and care and value more to them than him. You can love your job more, your spouse more, your relationships more, all kinds of things. Ask the Lord where you're doing that. I can't predetermine for you. But what I can tell you is repent and confess it. Get it dealt with, okay? Let's have proper true spirit and truth worship and let go of our idols in our life. All right, let's give God all the value and the worth that he deserves. Let's say this together. For the Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. We're going to give all our value to the Lord, all right?